Last time on Purpose and Vision, you may remember we spoke with Simon Griffiths, the co-founder and CEO of Who Gives a Crap. In keeping with my organic approach to this podcast, I asked him who we should be speaking to next. He thought it'd be interesting to look at the finance world, an aspect of business that it's fair to say hasn't always combined the notion of doing good and doing well. So today on the podcast, we talk to Adam Milgram from Giant Leap, an investment company that only looks to put their money into businesses that are ESG-minded. That's environment, social and governance. His and their performance speaks for itself. It's another wonderful example of if we just step away from conventional as we know it, there's another world of opportunity that is thriving and spreading. You're listening to Purpose and Vision, the podcast that digs deep into why and how companies are making a greater impact in our world by focusing on profit and purpose. This is the podcast that tells the stories and inspires us all to think differently about business today. I think it's still a very niche area. Um, but for me, as soon as I heard the concept that you could do good and do well, it was as if a switch had been flicked in my brain and I actually couldn't see the world any other way. And I saw examples all over the world in all different asset classes of where it was obvious that that thought that you could do well and do good at the same time was clearly possible. And so for me, as soon as I heard it, I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to invest in any other way. And the idea of investing in companies that weren't aligned to my values was uh, so uncomfortable for me that I ended up uh, deep in this niche um, okay. of impact investment. I, I love what you're saying. It, it goes back to the you can't unsee something. You can't unhear something. Once it's in your head it's, and it takes hold, you have to follow it. Why? What I'm curious to know is why you the why you are the exception. Why do you feel that you know that that resonated with you, but so few have followed down this path yet? Yeah, I think that there there's a lot of history and tradition. A surprising amount of history and tradition governs how people invest. And I think there's a lot of fear of doing something different or potentially having very different returns from peers that underlie, uh, that governs how a number of people invest. And we've seen that through as trends come through the investment world, people start to really see themselves in camps. Mm -hmm. So you can see that in the public markets, there are, the active investor camps and they're very strongly against index investing where so active investors think that they can choose the stocks to invest and the index investors think that they would just buy a whole bucket of stocks and people have it's been decades and people are very strongly decided which camp they're in and we see the same thing with value investors or growth investors where one is looking for this intrinsic underlying value with the company and the other is looking at the growth potential. Yeah. And I think that people, for whatever reason, have decided that they're better off deciding on their camp and sticking to it rather than looking at these as tools 
and being fluid throughout whichever tool is the most is the best tool and for me it's clear that in this day and age you have an opportunity to have a positive impact and invest at the same time without having any of the trade-offs that you might be scared of having and so when when that opportunity is there for me that is obviously the best tool to use but as i said there's a lot of heritage that means that people are scared to change their tools That's that's the human nature part. That's the psychology uh, element that I'm fascinated in as well because it takes a few outliers to, to shift things and probably that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast because the more people hear that others are doing it, the more they recognize it's safe to enter that zone themselves. So impact investing has now got a bit of a track record. How would you say you compare with some of the traditional investments so that they can say, well, even though I haven't necessarily dabbled, I can see the evidence in front of me? It's so non-rational to to not invest in this way because if you look at the evidence of impact investing or responsible investing, you can see in the public markets that um, investments that have been ESG rated, where they where they where the investors take into consideration the environment, social, and governance of the organisation in its community, those investments have outperformed non-ESG or not uh, investments that haven't uh, been screened for those things and they've outperformed for decades but if you went to a traditional uh, investment management house they would still offer you the non-ESG as the default Mm -hmm. rather than the ESG and they would wait for you to ask to be in the ESG uh, um, stream if you wanted that and similarly with my work with Giant Leap we're tracking our fund against our fully commercial peers uh, and we see that we track in the top quartile of funds that were launched in the same vintage as us alongside the, the names of peers that aren't considering the impact of their investments. And so we don't see any trade-off and we think the evidence is just getting stronger and stronger that there is no trade-off and there are plenty of organisations that you can invest in that bring both huge value and huge positive impact. So a couple of questions from that. First of all, why is it that you are first up offered the traditional non-ESG investment fund option? Uh, And, you know, secondly, with evidence like that, why aren't more going, well, this is obvious, we need to shift camps? I would love to know the answer to the question. (laughs) For me, it it, it can only come down to tradition and fear. That, and like the, you, if you do something differently, maybe maybe you would maybe you will be look stupid, um, or maybe maybe you'll be judged by that. And if you do the same as everyone else and the same that has been done for years, that you won't um, you're not putting your neck out. Uh, and we see the same thing with female entrepreneurs. It's clear and 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 diversity in workforces. It is clear that increasing diversity increasing representation across a number of people is better for business. It's better across boards. It's better across management teams. But then we still see a huge disproportionate amount of white men on boards. And that, for me, is can only be because of tradition and fear. It has nothing to do with a rational analysis of what, of what could be possible. Yeah. 
It's it's frustrating. It it really is, and especially as you say, you will get given something unless you ask for the the ESG more you know um, impact investing uh, option, and it's it. it, it and then you might get it. And remember, you know, I've had conversations with with people in your space, and yes, that they haven't even considered that there might be an alternative route. And then when they do, they look into it further, and they go, "This is fantastic. This is great." But it's just not on the radar. How do you think that's going to change? How can we improve that so it becomes the standard offering rather than the exceptional offering? So, our part of our theory of change to be the example of that different way of being. And I think we need more great examples of strong institutions that have paved the way that can, that can take those, take the risk, not on the investment side, but take the risk on the um, putting your neck side. And so who are committed to the cause enough so that they can overcome that risk and make it safer for the next person to follow. And so that, that's certainly a huge part of how we look to do business at Giant Leap and we try and encourage as much of our process to be shared and known with the wider investment community such that it can be copied. And we're seeing that throughout the early stage investment world which we work in and also more broadly there's great examples in the asset classes that is paving the way as well. So I think that we are, we are on the right side of history but maybe it, the change is happening mm. too slowly. Okay. What about your take on certain parts of the world where this might be easier? What's your What's your view on you know countries that might be in the speedy lane compared to those that in the slow lane? And, wh- and where would you say we are here in Australia? I think we're in the middle in Australia. Certainly, in areas where there's more either consumer demand for this or more governmental encouragement. We, we see more action. And so the United Kingdom is a great example of this. Uh, the government set up an organization called Big Society Capital, which supports investment into social enterprise and uh, impactful businesses. And that program has been well successful in terms of de- deploying capital into that market. And the market is far more advanced than where we are in Australia. Uh, but Likewise, in Australia, where we certainly have the structures and the ability that mean we are well-placed to take it. We have huge natural resources in Australia. We're very entrepreneurially minded. We tap into Asia very well. And so I think that there's a huge amount of strengths that we have. But, of course, there are other countries that are ahead of us and that we can look to for inspiration. Okay. Um, individuals doing it well I and mean, look they'll be looking at individuals who are doing this well plus also companies like yours that are doing it well what what do you use to um, spread the word is it the the good examples as you were saying the good stories the ones that you spotted at an early stage that were potentially going to be uh, business changes that 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 make others go well this is going to be the future yeah so for from giant leaps perspective we back founders who want to change the world and who want to have a positive impact on the world. And that is our underlying thesis that those founders will be able to find customers more easily than their counterparts. They'll be able to recruit staff more easily because people want to work for companies they believe in. Yes. And at the end of the day, they will be more valuable than their counterparts. They'll be solving more important problems. They'll have better staff and more customers. 
and therefore the returns will flow. And so, so our our thesis is to find those companies and to invest with them and to support them and to tell as many people in the world about them. Hmm. And how can you spot them? <laughs> because that's the, I suppose, the, the million-dollar question. How, how do you spot them? What do you look for? They come through the, 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 the doors. They've sent through, no doubt, a, you know, a few pages of something magical. Um, what makes you go, yes, let's go for it? It's a great question. We, we, there is something special about all the companies we back that is hard to articulate. Um, but in a, in a broad sense, there's the combination of a team that we really believe in that can execute a solution to a, to a real problem that customers really want to solve and are prepared to solve mm-hmm. and a huge market opportunity that if you do so, this problem that there's a, there's a huge market opportunity to that um, to to capture from that solution. But you don't always know. I mean, in particular, we're looking at certain industries or certain types of solution that haven't been tried before. So you are taking a punt. Are you are you getting it right more than wrong? Yeah. So th- we are certainly taking a punt, and we definitely don't know. There's a there's a huge amount of suspension of disbelief that is required to invest in the early stages of a company. Yeah. We, we, we ex- and we expect to get them wrong. So we, we expect in our fund that we can get it very right, maybe 30% of the time, and maybe 40 to 50% get it medium right, and about 30% get it completely wrong. And... <laughs> So far, we're, we're very lucky in our portfolio. We have 19 companies and we haven't lost any. Uh, but that is not the thesis. The, the thesis is not to, to back companies that are all going to be successful. The thesis is to, to back companies, some of which will change the world. I like that. Okay, so you have a very different mission uh, in comparison to other companies who are in the investment space. Let's 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 have a couple of stories, um, if you like, the the standout star, and maybe one that didn't quite deliver as you'd hoped. So, luckily, we we haven't got any that haven't delivered. Although we have had some that have had a particular tough year because of COVID. Um, one business called Glam Corner, which is in the fashion rental business, Fa- fashion is a a hugely negatively impactful business in its standard business model, particularly in the fashion end where people will often wear garments once or twice and then um, not wear them again. And so Glam Corner has been this amazing rental business which allows you, which allows a far better life cycle of a garment. But clearly during COVID, there weren't very many weddings and or parties that need, people needed to yeah. uh, rent f- fashion for. So they've, they've had a really tough year. Uh, but we, we're still very big believers and we believe that as the world opens up through, as we get to this kind of post-COVID normal world, that they, they will bounce back really strongly. Yeah. Another example that's done fantastically over the last year is Sendel, which is a logistics business that helps support small and medium businesses and is also carbon neutral. And they've had an amazing year as more and more people have become entrepreneurs over the last 12 months as they've potentially have lost jobs or have needed to supplement income. And at the same time, more and more people have ordered 
deliveries as we've been all been stuck at home. And so Sendall's had an outrageously good year and have been very lucky to be placed right in the nexus of those those short-term trends. Uh, but we also we've we've got investments in health companies, we've got investments in waste management companies, in recruitment companies, in energy companies, and each one has huge potential. And within each one, they 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 all are dealing with slightly different challenges, but really exciting places to work. Yeah, let, let's talk about something that um, you, you talked about. The I suppose the the logistics company that is involved in you know being carbon neutral, you know, ferrying stuff around and, and what have you. But what about the 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 um, the equality side of things? Because I I really like the idea of as you said earlier, companies that do have much more of a, a female male uh, balance can have far more success. So, so is there an example of where gender is one of the key drivers for, for your investment? Yeah, so we've got two investments in that space. Uh, one of them that are directly in that space. One of them is called Applied and the other is called Work 180. Work 180 is a, is a company that helps businesses that want to be attractive to female entrepreneurs, uh, sorry, to female workers they they go through a certification process with Work 180 to make sure that they're delivering the kind of workplace that is a great place to work for women. So they they look at all the factors that um, would would drive that, and then they will accredit organisations and then help them recruit specifically recruit uh, female talent. Mm-hmm. And that they are an amazing business right at the zeitgeist of that. Yeah. And the other is applied, which is a a more generalized recruitment tool which takes the bias out of recruitment and so it's all the whole recruitment process is blinded and really the focus there is that you hire the best person for the job regardless of race or gender and they see that the people being hired about half the people who get hired through that platform would not otherwise have gotten the job through a through a traditional cv process that most companies would use yeah, I, I love it. I, I love it because it's just challenging what we've grown to accept as the uh, as the norm. And, and both of these make such great sense. But I'm I'm interested in your take on timing on this as well, because you know it, it, it's so often um, you know the success of a business. People say, well, you know, there's a bit of luck, a bit of timing, and you know, a bit of everything else. But what you described to me there with those companies and 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 the others that you've mentioned, it, it, it's around having this great idea at the right time does make all the difference. Yeah, and there have been studies that show that timing is a massive differentiating factor as to why some ideas are successful and others aren't. And we we think now is the right time for these kind of companies. We think now is the right kind of time for impact companies in general Yes, because of how workplace, and particularly because of how workers and employees, um, how conscious they are of the values and the impact of the companies they work for. And so we think there's this general macro trend that overlays this desire to work towards a work for companies where there is a positive impact. And then within each of the companies we work with, we're certainly looking at what are the tailwinds or what are the uh, the factors that will mean that now is the right time for this kind of company to be successful. There will be all sorts of people listening to this, and I'm, I'm really hoping that there will be business leaders, you know, with, with with large enterprises who'll be listening to this, listening, going, you know what, that makes great sense. I want you 
to imagine that you're talking to them straight up as though you're saying if you do this you get that what what how would you summarize what 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 that would look like for a company that always has very much sort of followed the traditional route of doing business and now along comes um adam milgram and he says actually you need to be thinking very differently about your business to be long-term sustainably successful what do you say to them so it is a challenging conversation because for most companies this doesn't feel like a problem that's on fire and that they will have that they will have plenty of other problems which they do really need to deal with what with this quarter or this month and so it does take um, it, it would require to step back for a moment and think about what is the long-term vision for for an organization and for me we're at a point where just to sell more stuff is not an acceptable long-term vision for an organization. An organization must have a purpose beyond that. And I think the big risk is that you lose your social license to operate. You you lose your customer base, the loyalty, and you lose your your employees if all you are all you are doing is existing to sell more stuff. And so I would look at that existential risk that is facing businesses and encourage them to turn towards within their sphere of influence, how they can have a positive influence on the world and how they can make sure that they remain relevant over the years ahead as these trends hmm. compound. Okay. And then they say, Adam, you're dreaming. We're not living in that sort of business model world at the moment. Our shareholders are the most important. We have to give them returns. Yeah. So I'm lucky that I don't have to play with companies that don't, don't want to play like that. Um, and I think we will have a long time before these trends play out. And so maybe they'll be right in the short term that they didn't have to change. But my thesis is that over time they will either change or they won't exist because I don't, I don't see a future where it will be acceptable to just focus on shareholder returns. So tell me why you think that is. What, what has changed? You know, I'm really wanting to delve deep into the why on this. They might not be around. I'm sure Nokia didn't, you know, foresee any problems. I'm sure Kodak didn't foresee any problems in it. And, you know, bingo, then, then, then they're gone. So why might these companies not be around if they don't start thinking in a different way? I think it'll... So I think that they're being hit by a number of different forces. I think they're being hit from... The, the first force that I saw come into play was this conscious consumer force of, like, w consumers wanting to vote with their wallets and that was that, that had some traction it had some traction in the media but ultimately didn't move move companies very much because and I, because i believe that the vast even if you boycotted a product maybe you could get five percent of customers to boycott but generally you didn't move that much of the the revenue of a company because you'd need thousands or millions of consumers to change their way to, to make that a reality. The second influence that has come that I think we're right in the middle of right now is this staffing of an organization are finding it so important that they agree with the purpose or the vision of the company that they work for and are willing to work for company the purpose they believe in for less money. And so the cost of recruitment will continue to go up for companies without purpose. And then the third is on investment side where investors are increasingly moving their money to ESG or to impact. And we're seeing that it's the largest growing um, movement of capital. 
And so the cost of capital to, to finance a business like this is going to become increasingly expensive. And mm. so you've got these multiple factors. You can't hire the best staff. You can't attract as loyal customers. And it costs you more money to, to start your business or to grow your business. And that, those three factors combined make it incredibly difficult to grow a business as fast as you could if you didn't have the ten, like have that yeah. holding you back. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand that. Um, surprises me that some of the business leaders haven't even considered that. But what what turns them into a leader rather than a follower in this? Because inevitably, people say, as you as you've mentioned, well, I'll get to it eventually, but it's not a burning platform right now. Yeah, so I think that the the leaders in this space at the moment are really the ones who have an internal drive to do it and that they're internally motivated because there isn't enough external pressure to date but there are plenty of examples of these companies that are internally motivated to be both great customers and great stewards and really consider all this their stakeholders and so i think we will need to have a couple more years least of examples of those internally motivated mm. teams and founders and boards to give enough examples and to give safety and coverage to the, to the companies who are who feel at the moment more at the whim of their investors. Yeah, have there been any sharp spikes as a result of something that's happened on a on a you know an international news level that that has really moved the dial for you? Yeah, so the consu- both consumers and employees have definitely responded to mm-hmm. global events, and the two last year that were were massive for the businesses we work with. One with the bush, bushfires uh, in January last year drove a number of people to reconsider where their superannuation was invested. And we saw a huge uptick in a company we work with called Future Super of people who understood that their superannuation was likely their biggest pool of capital yeah. and their biggest source of influence over the world that they wanted to create and the world that they wanted to retire in. Yeah. And Future Super invests in a climate, uh, climate, well, fossil fuel-free investment portfolio, which can, and in, also invests in renewable energy. So they, they have a huge positive influence on the world. The other was the Me Too movement, which really spearheaded a diversity and inclusion conversation. And we saw Applied get a huge benefit from that as people were thinking about how they can introduce a more diverse workforce. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are good examples. And you can imagine, you know, over the course of a a year, the news cycle will, will, will have certain stories which really capture our interest. And that's when you can imagine that those companies are really going to uh, become more important. Do you, do you think that the public is waking up to this as well as, or maybe the public is more awake to it than some of the businesses? I think they are, but obviously we all live in our own bubble. Mm. So the people that I spend yeah. most time with, I would say are very <laughs> aware of this and feel a, a huge deal of responsibility. We We look at the current trajectory of the climate crisis and we understand that unless we intervene, unless we do something soon, we're, we're going to be on a terrible path for the world. And yeah, so yeah. I think that people are, in general, very aware of that. But 
we're just at the start of that movement. Okay. And how important do you think uh, uh, the COP gathering in Glasgow later this year could be to really give this sector a really big injection of momentum? Maybe less optimistic about the impact of those kind of gatherings. I, I think that a lot of the work that is announced at those gatherings is done in the be, behind the scenes well beforehand hmm. and is is influenced by pressures that are often unseen. And so I, I'm probably more a ground up grassroots influencer rather than, and rather than a top down um, inf- look to, to see that kind of top down influence. Okay. Um, I want to just get from you, Adam, now, because next time um, we'll be speaking to someone else and through this podcast, we've always taken that as a recommendation from the pr- person we speak to at the time. And the reason I'm doing that is because I love the organic way that we, we, we take this journey. Um, but I thought that because of your connections with all these different companies doing amazingly uh, sort of business changing work, that you'd have a great example that we could speak to next. Absolutely. I'd love to recommend Kate Glazebrook, who's the founder of Applied, which is a company that I mentioned that does de-biased recruitment. Kate is a behavioural scientist and thinks a lot about how to make better decisions. And I think she'd be fantastic to talk to you about how she built that company and also how she thinks about decision-making and diversity in general reviewer of, or the the person who's hiring their job is then to rank the best responses to those questions and they use a number of techniques to make sure that they take out as much bias when you're ranking those mm. uh, re- responses as well such that you end up with a list of people to interview who are who actually can do the job love it love it you end up with the right person gosh that would be a revolution wouldn't it it's amazing how things are progressing in that and it'll be great to talk to her next time i shall uh, be in touch with her and see where that conversation goes um adam where can people find you where, where, where's the best place for people to get in touch with you uh, so i'm adam at giantleapfund.vc on email or on twitter under a milgram and very happy for people to reach out to me and also the website because you've mentioned giant leap a few times it's giantleap.vc yeah. isn't it it's giantleapfund.vc. Okay, brilliant. It's been such a pleasure talking to you and, and to, to get your side of things and see where things are going. I think anyone listening to this will recognise that um, this is here to stay. It is definitely the right option for, for many. And what we hope is that in having this conversation, there'll be other businesses who will go, we need to be thinking more like this as well. So for that, we thank you and um, we will stay in touch. You've been listening to Purpose and Vision. For more details about this podcast, go to the website purposeandvisionpodcast.com or find us on Facebook at Purpose and Vision, on Instagram, purpose.vision, and on Twitter at PurposeVision1. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends and perhaps you'd be kind enough to rate the show. This will help others find it. Just go to where you download your podcast and enter a review. Thank you so much.